0: He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC.
1: Everybody, I'm Dick Morris, the secret I'm agent, here with Doug DePiro. And what Doug does is he comes up with the music for the shows. Oh, I got great uh, stuff for today. the stories we're going to cover. So, uh, Doug, what do oh, we have
0: on tap today? I got a great list today for music. It's unbelievable. Uh, let me let's look at this list: milk, oatmeal, coconut, uh, brand that, flakes. That's your shopping oh. <laughs> list. That's not the list
1: of songs. Yeah, but it's really good. I got pizza recipes. Come on, they don't they don't care what. what I make great to eat. pizza. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, I'm the secret agent man which yeah. means that I've been left off the New York Times bestseller oh, yeah, list right. because they don't want to blow my cover <laughs> uh, my book uh, The Return uh, Trump's big 2024 comeback uh, has sold 70,000 books and that's enough to be number four on the New York Times list but instead I don't appear at all on it <gasps>
0: The book of love, <laughs> chapter one
1: says the lovers. Don't skip the whole chapters, you're giving it away. <laughs> <laughs> Some book and, of love,
0: not by the Times, that's for sure.
1: So uh, the Times can't stand the idea that a book entitled "The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback, is on the list for people to actually see. So they're into altering reality, and fortunately I got altered along with it. That's so wrong. It's just so wrong. Yeah, it is. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, I feel like uh, is it Doctor Hook? I think the singer. Yeah. Has the song uh, I can't get richer, but I can't get my picture on the cover of the Rolling yeah, yeah, Stone. Yeah. <laughs> is that Doctor
0: Hook or Doctor John? Doctor Hook. Doctor Hook, I think. Yeah. I
1: can't get on the uh, Rolling Stone. Yeah. There has been a major earth-shattering development that took place this it last the last few days. That nobody knows about, but you now, <clears throat> the sentiment for pro-life, that is in favor of curbs on of, of, of curbs on abortion, uh, pro-life versus pro-choice, shifted by five points in the last month toward pro-life. In other words, where the Democrats are making their whole big deal about abortion being the issue. Rebelling against the court decision, take back Congress and the state legislatures so we can legalize abortion. While that's going on, public opinion is moving in the other direction. That's good.
0: I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. I feel my heart start to tremble. And
1: so this month, the McLaughlin Associates announced that on September 23rd, Republicans had regained the lead on abortion, and now enjoy a forty-eight. I'm sorry. Republicans had regained the lead in the generic ballot. In other words, who can vote for all things being equal? Democrats or Republicans? Republicans had had a lead all year long, and then after the abortion decision, it began to drop. Until last month, in August, McLaughlin had them tied, which was bad news for the Republicans. Now, a tie in the generic ballot still means Republicans win control because of the way the districts fall, but it's a big drop from the nine- or ten-point lead that we held at the start of the year, and everybody correctly, I think, blamed the abortion issue. But this month, McLaughlin found an abrupt shift in sentiment on abortion. In September, the survey showed that pro-life sentiment rose by five points, From 46 in August to 51 now, and pro-choice sentiment dropped from 54 in August to 49 now. So there's a fundamental shift going on in attitudes about abortion, and this will have an enormous impact on the campaign that's going on, because the Democrats are essentially saying ignore inflation, ignore the economy, ignore unemployment. Focus instead on the right to choose, the right to abortion, the right to choose. And until now, the public's been basically going along with it, but now they're not. Why not? Well, we're speculating here. We don't have actual numbers. But I think that a national consensus has developed in favor of allowing abortion up to 15 weeks, and then after that, banning it. In the McLaughlin poll, 85% of the voters agreed With that option. Allow it in the first trimester, but not thereafter. And uh, 70% of those who said they were pro life said it would be okay to have abortions in the first 15 weeks, particularly if there's rape or or some other extenuating circumstance. So that completely takes the ground out from under the Democratic base, the earth moving under their feet. And it puts the election in an entirely new context. Republicans until now have been basically hiding from the abortion issue. We feel that the Supreme Court decision is killing us, that it's uh, driving voters to the Democrats. And it was in June and July and August. But not anymore, it looks like. <clears throat> it looks like pro-life sentiment is now swinging into the lead. My feeling as to why, I'd be interested in yours. Give me a call at eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. 848 9222 my feeling is that the democrats have kind of morphed in the course of this debate from being pro-choice to being pro-abortion right and they're kind of saying those are synonyms Right. but they're not uh, the vast vast majority of people except for a few crazy is on the left hates abortion opposes abortion thinks at some level it is in fact murder mm. but that at some level it's justified and it's necessary And it's a necessary evil that we have to tolerate. And the Democrats have gone from saying that, which was the consensus position in the country, to saying, no, it's a good thing. Now, there are a few crazies that want to keep down global population who applaud whenever a fetus is killed. Oh, my God. But most of us don't. And by endorsing abortion as opposed to endorsing choice, I think the Democrats have made a fundamental mistake. They've just gone too far. And I believe that what Republicans should do is that they should come back at them and say, look, I'm running against a Democrat who is extreme on abortion. He wants abortion after the first 40 uh, to be allowed all throughout pregnancy, throughout the entire term. Oh, God. And uh, and I don't. I think it should be allowed in the first 15 weeks, but not after that. Mm. That is the consensus middle ground position in this country now the democrats want to force us off that consensus and pretend that we're opposed to any abortion any time which is against the consensus and the what we need to do is to push the democrats off that consensus by saying you are in favor of all abortions all the time right and i think that this battle for the middle ground on this issue is very very important now in the national poll which now shows as i said republicans back to a four-point lead. And by the way, Trump leading Biden in a head-to-head by five points. So it's a very good news poll. I was thrilled to see it. We asked people, what is the major problem facing America, the major issue in your mind? And 64% said economic issues, inflation, unemployment, gas prices, the whole bit. But 35%, including most of the Democrats, said social issues were the most important. We don't care about inflation or unemployment or any of that stuff. We care about abortion, climate change, gun control, education, uh, racism in our society. Indoctrination. Those are the issues <laughs> we care about. So it's a fascinating – it's two nations. It's two completely right. different countries mm-hmm. merged into one. In one country, they're upset about the stuff we encounter in the real world every day. Grocery prices rising at 10% a week, 10% a month. So next month, everything costs much more than it did last month. Uh, unemployment increasing as a result of the Fed raising rates, mortgage rates skyrocketing. Uh, we're concerned about the gas prices now rising again. Unbelievable. We're concerned about the stuff that's actually happening in the world. They're concerned much more with imagined issues, cerebral issues, if you will, issues they think into existence that are not experiential. You don't actually feel it. Climate change, we have to sort of take their word for it. Abortion, except for the very small number of voters who are actually pregnant right now and want to get an abortion, right. it remains a conjectural issue. Intuition uh, to uh... Racism in our society, uh, gun control, gun violence, these are all issues we read about in the media and we come to a conclusion because we think it's the correct thing to do if we're liberals. But it's not experiential. It's not something we're encountering in our daily lives. And I think that dichotomy is very clear and runs throughout this country. So if those people who said inflation was the ma- and economy was the major issue, two-thirds, if they vote for Trump by two to one against Biden – but those who said forget about those issues, the main issues are social issues like abortion, guns, violence, uh, uh, at race. Those people vote for Biden by two to one. It's two completely different countries reading completely different issues out of the same environment.
0: He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now... He's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WAVC. And I'm wondering how I get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Secret agent man, secret.
1: So I'm fascinated by this discrepancy, disparity, dichotomy between those who are feeling an issue and those who are seeing it on television, those who are feeling inflation and gas prices and unemployment and those who watch on television about climate change and about gun control and about racism.
0: You know, may may I jump in here? You know, I'm thinking about trying to wrap my head around this, how people just do this and they, they can think, the left can think that it, it's almost like... They're in a movie theater, and they're watching their movie, and that's what you're talking about. And we're on the street trying to make a living and do things and deal
1: with real people all day long. That's really apt. It's really true. You're right. Uh, Yeah, It's unbelievable. Uh, So uh, I'm going to speak to President Trump probably tonight, and maybe not that tomorrow. He's a cool guy. And I'm going to emphasize to him that it's time to go over to the offensive about abortion and say the Democrats are extremists because they want to make infanticide legal oh god they want to take the maternity ward and switch it into an abortion oh, so horrible. they want to take a baby that's just a few days from delivery and kill it Ugh. and that is just horrible it's way beyond think it. rational thinking and by the way it influences all of their thinking on issues like euthanasia and uh and child support a whole range of issues that are sort of adoption, life-oriented issues. And uh, they're not the pro-death party, but they're damn close to it. I can't... And, and even that, I can't wrap my head around that. How they could think that way? Let's go to Al in Yonkers. Hey, Al. Hello, Al. Okay, let's go Luke to John... air and, in the tires. Let's go to John in Reno. Reno, Nevada. Hey, John. Hey, Dick. How you doing?
2: I'm doing good. I tell you, I think the reason for the shift to pro-life from pro-choice has a lot to do with the fact that people are realizing it's cheaper and it's easier to use the day-after pill. Uh, With the day-after pill, uh, rapes, incest, and things like that can be fixed. Um, It takes a lot of pressure off of the pro-choice people. I think the day-after pill has a lot to do with it.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So what's your point? Explain it to me. I didn't get it.
2: Well with the day after pill uh you can fix accidents you can fix rape you can fix incest yeah and uh that will always be there
1: right but that would that would tend to be in favor of pro choice because you have a non-intrusive procedure anyway the fact is that about a third of all abortions now are by pills not not by uh not by surgical intervention um, Oh, I, did, to, I didn't know that yeah that's wow. true, huh. and it's a defect in the in the pro-life position to ban that. Uh, but you know, so right. be it. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that it is very important for us to understand that there is a real dichotomy here between those who live in the real world and those who live in the fantasy world. In the movie theater. Yeah, movie theater. Now there are people, obviously, who are subject to racism and feel it, obviously, sure. a lot of the black population does and you have to respect that sure. because we whites can't tell if they are in fact experiencing racism but they can and they do consistently in the polls and obviously there needs to be some effort to restrain the availability of handguns I think it should be through stop and frisk uh, searching people who on, on the corner sure. who a metal detector says are carrying and if they uh, are illegally in possession of a loaded handgun three years in prison. And, the, and Ray Kelly told you a while back that they have that, a new system that could do it from 10 feet, that. 20 feet away. That's right. So, so I believe that, that those are the import, that those issues are important, but they're obviously not something affecting every one of us. And it leads me to understand the truth of something that was written by a guy named Francis Fukuyama in a book called The, the, End, the Destruction of the Elites. And he says that the problem in our society now is the rich people, the educated people live in a bubble, Mm. a completely different bubble from reality. They don't pay attention to the local economy. They want to know what the global economy Mm. is doing. What's the market doing in China? What did it do in Singapore? They're not concerned with with issues locally. Uh, They're much more concerned with international issues, and they see America as – just an entity like a state, but not particularly the end end, of the world. That's their movie. That's their movie, wow. And they watch the movies, which is television news and stuff uh, that tells them these other issues are very important. But the salient point about the McLaughlin poll is that Republicans are back. There was a period during the summer when Democrats were gaining on us. There was a period when there were doubts, legitimate doubts, about our ability to win the Congress. But now we are back.
0: predict oh, this change in my book, And we
1: will keep on fighting till the end. We are the Book of it's Love. It's not called the Book of Love. It's called The Return. <laughs> well, the New York Times doesn't. The big 2024 think it's the book of love. comeback. Yeah. So, what's in chapter one? Who wrote the book of love? I wrote the other book. Come on. You love with all your heart. Well, if I had an outline like that, it would have been a lot easier to write this book. <laughs>
0: um, they don't love you yeah, in New York that's Times. That's right. Now, the big news in wait, wait, the Wait, I wanted to ask you, Dick, what made you, um, the Democrats, you said earlier, were picking up in the summer? You know, they
1: were... They well, were, the reaction wh- against abortion. Oh, okay. Uh, you had a, you have a lot, like I said, the important issue to the movie-going crowd, as you call it, yeah, yeah. is the issues they re- they see on TV. Right. And not the reality issues they confront every day in their lives. Right. And they heard all these stories about people that had to go to other states to get an abortion. Well,
0: or, then then what, why do you think is it turning now? Because I think people Cause are... Because this is important for the yeah,
1: Republicans to figure out. Key, it's the key question. I think it's because people are now saying that, okay, abortion is, is up to each state. Do we want to do it in each state? But then they're looking at it and they're saying abortion is ultimately a bad thing. Right, And when the Democrats advocate abortion gleefully, yay, right. we have the right to abortion. And they clap when Cuomo was signing and people that are saying, thing. saying, let's yeah. go, let's go. Yeah. Let's Smiling, abortion. yeah. Uh, they're really reacting and they're saying, hey, wait a minute, I'm not pro-abortion. I'm pro-choice. Right. If a woman gets pregnant by against her will or, or by mistake, financial uh, and I want them in the first trimester when they first find out about it to have an abortion. Sure. I think that's true. Okay. 85% of Americans agree with that. But I am not in favor of abortion as a cause where right. I want to see be, these babies killed. It should be like uh, a safety net type of yeah, thing. Yeah, sure. that's right. That's right. Now, um, Joe Biden is not running for president. He, he doesn't know it yet, but <laughs> he doesn't know much yet. He doesn't know it yet. But, but these signs are very, very evident. They asked Chuck Schumer earlier this week, do you think Biden should run for another term? And he said, if he runs, I'll support him. And uh, then Nancy Pelosi was asked, and she said, Biden's been a great president. Remember, he saved America from Donald Trump and always give him credit for that. Well, do you think he should run again? Well, I'm not going to get into politics now. I'm not going to get into speculation. I mean, that's like reading somebody's obituary and saying they're great people, I endorse them, <laughs> but, they, but they're dead. <laughs> and, oh my uh, God. It's a little bit like if you ask a guy, are you going to be married to the same girl next year? And she says, I'm undecided. That's a <laughs> political question. I'm not going to address it now. That doesn't sound like the marriage is doing very, but very well. But I'll support
0: him. Yeah. I'll support him if so he does.
1: The message for Joe Biden is even if you may not know it, you are... Slip sliding
0: away, slip sliding away, you know the nearer your destination, the more you slip sliding away. I know Now
1: that of course clears the democratic field and you can see Hillary moving closer and closer to a candidacy. Uh, I predict this in my book uh, because I feel that What's going to happen here is that the Republicans are going to win Congress and then the blame game will come into the Democrats. They're very generous with their – with those who were defeated. They form their firing squad in a circle and they shoot each other. Of
0: themselves? Yeah. In a circle. That's good.
1: Firing squad. That's not original but it's good. Form their firing squad in a circle and um, they're going to be in the blame game big time Mm. and the left is going to blame the right and say – We didn't pass these bills. Manchin stopped us. We couldn't really deliver on our promises. That's why we lost. And the right is going to come back and say, we lost because you guys are crazy. You push programs that America can't agree with. Mm. You got obsessed on what pronouns you should use. Men competing in women's sports. and Then you spend this amount of money and there was inflation. And we warned you about that. And that fight, that dog fight is going to go on. And – Hillary Clinton will enter that, and I write about this in my book, The Return. That Hillary will say, We lost because of the left. We lost because we moved too far to the left. And that is precisely what Bill Clinton said in 1992. I know because I wrote it for him. Right. And he said, The reason we lost with Mondale and Dukakis, and Reagan got elected and then reelected, and Bush got elected is that we moved too far to the left. Now we have to move back to the center. He was right. You were right. I was right. We have to end welfare as we know it. We have to balance the budget. Uh, He advocated building a wall on the southern border. Bill Clinton did. And we built 200 miles of that, just like Trump did. Uh, Bill Clinton, I worked closely with him on this, doubled the number of people who were deported, who are criminal aliens who live in the United States. All centrist policies. And now Hillary is gonna take that same playbook. She just said the other day that Americans do not want open borders. Well that's true, but the Democrats want open borders. Right. And the fact that she said it indicates that she is really running for president. And she's gonna say it just to get elected. She's not gonna do anything about it. Oh she'll say she's gonna do that's something I mean. and she might do something. Bill sure did. And so this is all predicted in my book. That's why you need to get it. All predicted in my book that she is not going to run, it's going to open the democratic field, and she's going to come on as the moderate candidate, if you can believe that.
0: He's been advisor to presidents Clinton and Trump, and now he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC.
1: I'm going to be whispering in Trump's ear in the next day or two, in my capacity as secret agent man, about this new data about abortion. But Michael in Rockaway Beach has a comment. How are you doing, Michael?
2: Good, Dick. Thanks for taking hey, my Mike. call. Um, I, how you doing, Doug? Good. Um, my concern is the terminology that we're using. The Democrats always have this facility of of, 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 of making saying the right things to right. get their Points of point. So they don't refer to abortion, they refer to reproductive rights. Right. I think it's very important for us to get the terminology correct. Yes. Yep. Therefore, aborting a baby up to the point of, of, of birth. Yep,
1: you're absolutely you right. right. We,
2: have, we have to emphasize that. You, we can't let them get away with always winning the termino- right. terminology Saying it's reproductive rights.
1: Michael, I'm glad I took the call. You're yeah, it absolutely good. right. I call, it,
0: I call it bumper stickers.
1: Let's go to Frank on Staten Island. Hi. Hey, Frank.
2: How are you doing? Uh, good morning. Wow, my first time talking to Dick Morris. Great. Good. Um, I my first time
1: talking ago. to Frank.
2: <laughs> cool. Um, I remember around two weeks ago you mentioned something about that there were like. There are three types of Republicans, yeah. and I think the first type you mentioned is more about into free markets and capitalism, yeah. and that's like the type that I am. I'm, I'm, uh, that, I, I'm more of like an independent voter, uh, but uh, but lately I've been, I've been I've been voting R, like all the mm-hmm. way. But what I, what I what I look for is is pro capitalism, pro free market. I'm not into tariffs. I yeah. want low regulation, uh, lower taxes. Uh, uh, That's what I believe in. I wish we
1: Frank. So let me discourse on that. Think of a layer cake. Uh, The basic layer of the Republican Party is what Frank just talked about free markets of capitalism. Then in the 1950s, Eisenhower added a second layer, national security. And then in the 80s, Reagan added a third level, social conservative. And now Trump has gone back on what Frank just said to contradict it and saying, no, where we have American jobs at issue, we need tariffs and when the and people coming in over the border to take our jobs, we need to control immigration. So we added an America First context to it, but still basically the same layer cake. Thanks for that call, Frank. I appreciate it. Nice good, talking to you for the insight, first time. Good insight. Let's go Jack. to uh, Ralph in New Jersey. Hey, Ralph.
2: Yeah, uh, you know the the coming economic tsunami in uh, this country is uh, a grim reality that everyone will be uh, facing
1: with, because it's like a dark cloud uh, hanging over our head. With the interest
2: rate being raised by the Federal Reserve, uh, get ready for the labor force to be uh, lost yeah. in this country. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, co- consumer price index would sink down to uh, the lowest low, a new low. If I can say that. And you can tell the rest of the
1: story—the story uh, yeah. from here. Ralph is is absolutely right. What's coming in the next year is that <laughs> the high blood pressure problem will be solved because they'll bleed the patient to death, <laughs> and no more high blood pressure because he won't have any more blood. Oh the Fed raising interest rates will stop the economy. It'll stop people from buying anything. <laughs> It'll cost people their jobs. With no jobs, they won't be able to buy anything. We'll be in one hell of a recession and depression that'll last for years. But there won't be inflation. And that's the problem. The only way to stop inflation is to kill the patient. Wow. Um, and, and that is the problem well, we're I'll dealing with. i get happy after that. Now, there was a development coming in over the weekend and we're, of this week, and we don't know if it's true or not. There was a big report on social media all over the place that President Xi of China has been put under house arrest. He, she, he, he, she. He, she. The pronoun <clears throat> is it. The president of China is in it. Shim. <laughs> and um, the and this is significant because she is seeking a third term, and no other president in China has had a third term. Now uh, had as many as he wanted, but after that they were limited. Uh, but he's going to shatter that and go for a third term, and it's very controversial. What he did really was he took the capitalist model that Deng Xiaoping, the leader 20 years ago, brought to China, where he basically said, I don't want Mao's communism anymore. No state-owned enterprises, no subsidies for every industry, uh, no limits on what you can do with your capital, set up a stock market, capitalism, and China became a capitalist country. And that's how come it soared. When was this? In the 1990s and the early 2000s. Okay. Then uh, then China, uh, then we had Xi, take, President Xi take over. And he was an old-style communist. He said, we want uh, state control. We want limits on profits. We want limits on investment. We want to control what happens in the economy. And that has sent China into this unbelievable recession that it's in now. We don't look at other countries economically like we do it ourselves, but China is getting in very bad shape. And the possibility that he was ousted is very exciting. It's really possible. We could be in a global situation where Russia and China are two big adversaries, are both dead. A Russia with Putin being ousted because of the war in Ukraine, and we'll see how these draft riots work out. We're all over the country. They're going crazy and risking jail because they don't want their children sent to die in Ukraine. Yeah, of course. And in China where the economy is falling apart and social media is filled with comments, even though you can get arrested for that, of saying that she is on his way out. Fascinating to go through. Let's go to Daniel from New York. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for taking my question, Mr. Morris. You're welcome. Um, I'd like to know, in terms of the midterm elections, what do you think would be more important for President Biden and the Democrats, maintaining control of the House or the Senate, and why? Well, they want to control, maintain control of both. The House is more important because it initiates impeachment, And it initiates spending bills uh, and has more budgetary authority than the Senate. But they're basically equal. They have to control both. And I believe that they are not going to. I believe that we will win that. Both of them? Uh, Both of them. Hmm. Now, Bush doesn't get that completely. uh, But there's a lot that he doesn't get. No, I wrote that. But... I'm concerned about President Bush's mental state.
0: No, Biden. Biden. Biden's
1: mental state. Is there anybody in
0: there? <laughs> is there? Just not if you
1: can hear me. Is there anyone? In every one of these states, you see Republicans catching up. Uh, Oz is catching up in Pennsylvania. Uh, in Wisconsin, Johnson, the Republican senator, is now ahead solidly at Barnes, the Crazy Challenger. Herschel Walker has opened a two and three point lead in Georgia. Uh and uh we're seeing it all over the place. We now are ahead in Nevada and uh Wisconsin and Georgia. And uh the only state that we're concerned about now is Arizona, where the Democrat is still ahead.
0: And we have about but, a month but, and two weeks or six yeah, weeks, seven but weeks. But
1: we're we're getting into pretty good shape. Good. Now um Let's go to joe on long in Long Island hey Joe.
2: Yes, um you know, as you know, the trump endorsed candidates did very well in the Republican primaries, and i'm glad to I'm glad to hear you say that the Republicans are now ahead because I thought that you know naturally the general election is a lot tougher, and uh you know they had to put a lot more effort, yeah. but I'm glad to see that they're ahead now, is it true? Mitch McConnell, as you know, is doing the bare minimum yeah. to help the Democrats because they're Trump-endorsed candidates. Is it true that uh, Trump started a new PAC yeah. and he's going to try to help these candidates out more? Yeah, he did. No, Absolutely.
1: McConnell, McConnell is not rooting for the Republicans. McConnell is rooting for keeping his job as leader. Horrible. And if the price of keeping his job as leader is that these new Trump candidates who won the primaries for Senate, defeating the McConnell candidates, have to be defeated so the Democrats keep control of the Senate. He would rather be minority leader than to have somebody else be majority leader.
0: That's horrible.
1: So he's cutting back and holding back funding to any of the Trump-endorsed candidates. great example is Leora Levy next door in Connecticut, who was Trump-endorsed, toppled the the McConnell-endorsed candidate – and now McConnell's trying to sit on money and stop her from getting it. You see the same in Wisconsin, where the Trump-endorsed candidate is getting shorted, and in Arizona, too, where the reason the Democrats are ahead is that the, McConnell's holding down money for the Trump-endorsed candidate. But So now Trump has said, screw it, I'm not going to go through this. I'm going to raise my own money in my own super PAC and I'm going to spend money subsidizing my candidates who won the Republican primaries. And that is a big, big deal. Amazing. Trump is sitting on $100 million now. And given his new interest in doing that, I think that will increase dramatically. Because people will get it. Don't write a check to the Republican Party. That's just feeding McConnell. Write a check to Trump's super PAC, the Save America PAC. That's why the guy's so great. That's why and, he's amazing. He's just bypassing the whole deal, and I think that is absolutely true. Mumbles McConnell. Let's go to Leonardo in Essex.
0: Hi, Dick. Hello?
1: Hi, Leonardo. I got
0: you. Oh, yeah, listen. You're the best political consultant. I tell all my friends never to miss this hour of political discourse. He is great. Uh, I, I and, the, and the bumper music that Doug helps you with. Yeah. It's really <laughs> an older. I'm an older guy. And speaking of older, I see I see that there's a huge indoctrination of demonizing oil, gas, right coal. Yeah. And they use the terminology fossil fuels. Yep. But they're God given mother earth fuels. We're nurtured by these fuels, but they're
1: indoctrinating the young. Obviously the solar and well, the wind is just not gonna make Yeah, but it makes sense, you know. The reason the Democrats like fossil fuels is they're fossils. (laughs) I mean, what do you call Biden other than a fossil? Comfortably numb. (laughs) Comfortably numb. And uh, and I think that, that, you know, so obviously they like fossil fuels. Is there anybody
0: in there? I don't think there is. Just not
1: if you can hear me. And the the reason we have fossil fuels is the dinosaurs got stuck in the mud (laughs) and they died and then their bones became. Fossils, and that right. became fuel. Uh-huh. can you think of any better metaphor for the Democratic Party hmm. than being stuck in the mud and turning into a fossil and becoming fuel for somebody 's car uh, i, I can 't now. when I come back uh, after a brief break uh, i 'm going to talk about my hobby, which is that I am a Yankee
0: fan. oh my God is and he and
1: here Doug Wait, and I went is- to the Yankee game on Thursday, and uh, we sat there breathless. to to see if Judge would hit a home run. And he didn't. And it was so cool. uh, At the end of the eighth inning, the Yankees were ahead of the Red Sox by a run, and Boston was coming up in the top of the ninth. And everybody in the stadium knew that if Boston didn't score, there would be no bottom of the ninth. They could get up and leave. And Judge would not come up. He was due to bat first in the bottom of the ninth. So... I met guy in the men's room and he said, this is the first time in my life I've ever rooted for Boston to score <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that I good, right. Judge to come up next. That's and, uh, I invited a guest on today who's going to be on with me, I hope, Mike Vaccaro, Vaccaro who is the uh, sports columnist in the New York Post. And um, he's been talking about Judge and talking about bonds and talking about the steroid era, and I wanted to have him on to ask him some questions. To
0: squeeze the juice. We when we come back. Squeeze the juice.
2: Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call one 303 Five, seven, or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com.
0: He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. And how I'll get downstairs. Clowns to the left to the right. He'll... Secret agents. The best to choose. Where have you gone, Jonah? Imagine your nation turns its lonely eyes to you. What's that you say?
1: This is Robinson. Jolton Joe has left and gone away. Well, Jolton Joe has left and gone away, but Aaron Judge remains and is coming on strong. And uh, I love Aaron Judge. I love his chasing the record. You know, I'm 75 years old, and when I was uh, 14, Mantle and Maris were fighting for the home run lead uh, to see if they could break Root's record. And they couldn't, and no other baseball player has except Maris. And uh, I was amazed when Judge hit his 60th home run. It was incredible. But I was disappointed when MLB.com's reporter, Brian Hoke wrote – I know he didn't write the headline. He writes the articles. But number 60, Judge Sixth All-Time to Reach HR Plateau. I don't think he's sixth. I think mathematically he's sixth. But come on, you can't count the other guys who are in front of him uh, because they were on the juice, uh, as, as Doug says. Squeeze the juice. Yeah, we need to squeeze the juice. Out. So, But I was looking at uh, at the posts, which I read – constantly for its sports section. And my favorite writer is Mark Vaccaro, uh, who is their sports writer. And he wrote, look, for better or worse, the record remains 73, and the runner-up is 70. That's Sosa. So Judge isn't really chasing that n- the number that's on the books. But the steroid era and those three hitters in particular, that's Bond, Sosa, and maguire drains much of the joy and wonder from the record itself it 's hard to generate that kind of buzz that surrounded his pursuit in nineteen ninety eight it 's impossible to manufacture well, I sure have a buzz, and I sure feel that, and I feel that they 're excluded from the Hall of fame for a reason and to say that judge is uh, is 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 second, which technically he would be or sixth i think i think uh gets demeans the real purpose of this. Which is the idea that a natural human being without chemical additives is able to do something now, if he's able to do it the rest of the year, that no human being has ever done in 150 years of the game. Hank Aaron couldn't do it. Um, Frank Robinson couldn't do it. Mantle couldn't. Maris couldn't. All of the, w- Willie Mays couldn't. All of the great hitters of our time. So I wanted to ask Mike Vaccaro to come on. I was thrilled that he did. It's like the sports page coming to life for me. <laughs> hey, Mike, how are you doing? Good, Dick. how are you doing today? Thanks
2: for having me on.
1: There's an intimacy of a relationship between the reader and the sports writer. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I I I read political news at a distance, but I consume sure. your columns like with my <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> Spoonful by spoonful. Oh my God! It's <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. So, Mike, what's your comment on this?
2: Well, look, I, mean, I, I think I think the thing we have to remember about the, about this pursuit is that the home run record is a very personal thing. I mean, the, the number on the books is the number on the books, and I mean, you could certainly have a different kind of argument whether MLB should erase those records from the book. And I think you and I would be on the same page of that. And I think a lot of people would be that you know there should be recognition that those numbers were achieved in a different era with different kind of standards, protocols, rules, and regulations. Um, and, you know, really, I think in the heart of hearts of a lot of people, Maris is still the record holder at 61, and Babe Ruth and Darren Judge are currently tied at 60. I think that's the way you probably feel in your heart of hearts. Yeah. I know it's how you feel in your heart of hearts. I know it's how I feel in my heart of hearts. I mean, but the, the, the fact is is until 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 someone comes along and changes the record book, you know, the way Faye Vincent did a couple of years you know, when he was commissioner, Getting rid of the asterisk next to Maris's name, um, which was there for a long time undeserved. Yeah, but um, how about you know, putting an, an asterisk
1: next to Bobby Bonds' name and Sammy Sosa's right? And oh, Mark McGuire. No, no if if anybody no no ever deserved an asterisk, it's exactly. those three sure. guys.
2: Yeah, there's no question. There should be. And here's, here's the thing. I mean, I, now I was I was fortunate enough to, to to be on the road with both those guys in '98, Bonds and McGuire, and literally wherever they went, and it didn't matter if there was uh, I should say McGuire and Sosa. Uh, wherever they went, whether they were in Chicago or St. Louis, their hometowns or any other town, it was it, it stopped traffic. It was it was that big a deal. Only only lately have the network sports networks been cutting into judges' home runs. I mean, in '98, I mean it was NBC News, it was CBS, CBS yeah. News that was cutting in to get these to, to, to get these updates. It was just that big a deal. I think that in New York, where we've always been very proprietary about that record anyway, because it went from Ruth to Maris. Uh, I think Judge and his pursuit is consuming. And I think that a lot of people are interested in it. And I think that, that, that it's, that it's a, one of the best local stories we've had in a long time. I just look around and I don't know if the, if, if, if the, if the, if the imagination has been captured elsewhere. And I blame Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa for that because yeah. they kind of made a mockery of I what mean, that number is. If
1: anybody deserves an asterisk, it's those three guys. It's a little bit like the political issue of men competing in women's sports. Uh, I believe they should be able to, but in their own lane. I think there should be three gold medals, men, women, and and men competing in in women's sports.
2: And in the same way that, you know, we always say that there was an asterisk, Mr. Myers' name, which really isn't true. The way the record book was for 30 years until Fabian corrected it. Was there was a 154 game record and a 162 game record, right? Which, which, which in, which in itself own was, was 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 sort right. of a an asterisk without an asterisk. And I mean, I would I mean, personally, I would be willing to settle for if the official Olympic record book would say would have two different listings and you know include one as the steroid era, because we yeah. all know. No one's being naive. We know what the steroid era was. Yeah. I used to go and... to
1: pirate games, and my niece was a Pittsburgh Pirate fan, and when she was 10, I'd indulge her. Now I'd kill her. <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: and, Did you and, have to wear a patch? No,
1: and, uh, you know, this skinny little guy would come up named Barry Bonds, <laughs> and would is an infield fly or something. The guy we were watching was Van Slyke and Bonilla on that team. Right. But My Bonds, friend Phil has a great... And then at the age of forty, he discovered himself the the greatest actor. Uh, thirty six, greatest actor, male menopause in the world. <laughs> uh, we have a call in from my buddy who goes to the games with me, Phil and Yonkers. Hey, Phil.
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Phil. We're doing good. I'm I'm glad this. Con- I hope Judge does it tonight. But you know, talking about Barry Bonds, you know, he was thirty seven years old when he hit all those home runs. I mean, that's usually when someone's on the downslope of their career. And if you look at pictures of him on the Pirates and on the Giants, it's like Pee Wee Herman standing next to Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> I mean, they don't even look like the same guy. He's busting out of his uniform.
1: Yep, meanwhile,
2: meanwhile, when he was on the Pirates, if he turned sideways, you could, he would disappear. That's right. Okay. He, he was a rail. Yeah. No one's doubting the guy's talent. He had the talent as a hitter, but I'm doubting – did he have that much power? No, Do And then you had all these power? guys. I
1: remember no more Garcia Paro was my nemesis with the Red Sox. And then after right. steroids were banned. No more who? Yeah, it, it was kind of right, incredible. Right. No more hits. So Mike, and, and, uh, and Mike McCaffrey, you, you, you raised. raised is
2: that, I'm sorry.
1: Let me go back to Mike. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sure.
1: Mike, you have the mic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say the pity about Barry Bonds, I and mean, and I and I think your friend you touched on it is that he was great long before we knew he took steroids. Now he wasn't uh, great in terms of being an all time slugger, but he was one of the great all time players that anybody's ever seen, and that was before he touched the steroids. We have an idea of when he did it. It's pretty obvious when you just look at, like you say, the transformation, but also his numbers. And that's the pity, is that he would have been an all-time great without it, yeah. and he just felt compelled to take it, which is, which is a shame.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and he probably wouldn't have broken Ruth's all-time record, but he probably would have been up there in the high 600s. And oh, all yeah, three of those guys, question. McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds, belong in the Hall of Fame until they took the juice. Mm. Um, then I think they, they should be disqualified from it. But, Mike, you raised a fascinating point in one of your most recent columns. You said the important record, the difficult record, is not just home runs. You said home runs are glorious. But you said MVP, and uh, not MVP, triple crown, is the really difficult thing to do, winning in home runs, RBIs, and batting average. And that stuck in my craw when Judge was coming up when I was at the game I was thinking, what does he do? Does he swing for a home run and risk <laughs> striking out and screw up his batting average? Or does he rein in his swing and hit a single and win the triple crown? And for three at-bats, I think he struck out in two, and one, there was a soft fly ball. But the fourth one, you could see his brain working. He shortened on his swing. He yeah. lined the single. So yeah, yeah, at yeah. least he didn't slip ground. What do you think about that, Mike?
2: Well, you know, and that's why it's so hard, you know, especially specific to somebody like Judge, who's also going after the home runs. And, look, I know people say you can't hit home runs if you try. Well, you know, you see the the, the swings that you you take sometimes. You know, Judge is one of the few guys who actually does take a normal swing and the ball goes 450 feet. Right. But, I mean, but, but if it's in your mind, you know, I mean, that's why it's so hard because for a guy who hits that many home runs, it's not that easy to hit, you know, 315, 320. And so for him to do that in addition to hitting all those home runs to me that's what makes the season so remarkable. Yeah, but you what know. makes it
1: even more significant is that m- most of the triple crown winners weren't up near Ruth's record. Uh mm-hmm. I think Mantle was, but Yastrzemski sure I mean, wasn't.
2: Yeah. And yeah, uh, so so they, they didn't, didn't have that was-
1: they didn't have that trade off. Uh they right. could hit a single and they'll still win the home run record. So they could concentrate on batting average Trump can't He's got to fight this on two fronts. It's yeah. true, and if you know that's
2: why it's almost. Judge uh, D- D- Trump, Trump.
1: Yeah, not Trump. Trump, not Trump, Judge, <laughs> switch hats. It's, it's
2: almost beneficial for Trump to get for for for, for, for Judge to get the uh, the record as soon as possible because then he can you know and I'm sure he'll probably get a couple of days off too if that happens, which is smart right. because they're getting into a playoff him, But then he, then he can concentrate on just you know kind of kind of just getting his hits too.
1: So do you think that that messes up his mind, wondering do I swing big or swing small?
2: I don't only because he's a unique guy. I, I, I honestly think that he's the perfect. see, I mean, He would have been the perfect personality to do this in '61 and also '98.
1: Yeah. He's not losing his hair, he's, right?
2: He's right. He's, he's, he's unaffected by it, and he, you know, even the other day when when uh, he hit the he, he when he tied the record in five batters later, four batters later, Giancarlo Stanton hit the grand slam to beat the Pirates. I mean, he insisted that yes, network talked to John Carlo, even though know, yeah. everybody wants to you hear know, what Aaron says, right. because he thinks John Carlo deserves his, 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 his moment in the sun. And that tells you what kind of a person he is, but it also tells you why he's probably unaffected by all of this. I mean, I think but he certainly understands what he's pursuing, but it's not affecting him I, inwardly the way it would affect a lot of people.
1: I'd like to put this in the same context as um, Jim Ryan, I think it was, who broke the four-minute mile. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone had tried to do it, and nobody had, and this is what a human being is capable of, right. and that's why I honored you, and Aaron Judge. And Mike Vaccaro, I honor you, too. You've come live from my breakfast cereal to join me on the air.
0: <laughs> and I honor you, Dick Morris.
1: <laughs> Thank you. This was a great it's show. Great I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, guys.